are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good Tuesday show for you. We are going to talk about that Trey Lance trade over the weekend from the San Francisco 49ers to the Dallas Cowboys. Kind of a head-scratcher, if you ask me. If you ask a lot of people in Dallas, they're wondering, what the hell is this? We're going to talk a little Texas Rangers baseball because they are in a free fall. Somewhat stopped briefly last night, but... The numbers on this team, not to mention the numbers on the team that just passed them in the standings, two teams going in opposite directions, to say the least. Uh, We can stop throwing out probability numbers when it comes to baseball games or projections. We'll get to that, and we're also going to look at NFL Week 1. Even though we are two weeks away from the NFL season starting, There are some interesting line moves already, so we will talk about that momentarily. All right, let's begin talking about the trade that came down late Friday, and that was the fact that the San Francisco 49ers are trading, did trade, their backup quarterback. Well, he was relegated to third string because the Niners announced, obviously Brock Purdy is your starter. They announced that Sam Darnold had won the number two position over Trey Lance. Let's not forget, in the 2020 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers traded three number ones and a second-round pick to move up to number three in the draft to draft Trey Young. Trey Young. (laughs) Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Trey Lance, I don't know if you know this, had 13 college football starts, and they were all in FCS. For the San Francisco 49ers, he had four starts. It's a kid that has started 17 total football games since he started college. Now, I heard John Lynch, who I don't know if he's the GM of the Niners or if he's president of football operations, whatever his title is, he's the one, he's the decision maker there. And John Lynch basically came out and said, essentially, we dropped the ball. Like, this one's on us. Because... (laughs) You trade three number ones and a number two for a guy and you give up on him in year three already and you send him away and all you get in return is a fourth-round pick, like that is basically admitting out-and-out failure. And without saying we failed, he basically said this is on us. And I don't know what it was. I obviously was not at San Francisco 49er football practice. Uh, I wasn't on the scouting team for them. I don't really know what to make of it on why the Niners gave up on him so early because he is still in only year three. And I understand that you feel more comfortable with Brock Purdy, but it is pretty amazing that they traded three first rounds and a second round to move up and draft Trey Lance number three in the draft. And then a year later, Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant, meaning he's the last pick in the NFL draft. And going into this season, Brock Purdy ended the year pretty well for San Francisco last year. Played solid, got him to the NFC Championship game, then got hurt in that game, and they were basically done from that point forward. But it is pretty amazing to look at the fact that the number 272nd pick in the 2021 NFL Draft just beat out the number 3 pick in the 2020 NFL Draft. So much so that They didn't even move Trey Lance to backup for Brock Purdy. They said, you are third string and we're trading you. It's all pretty wild. 
I wouldn't give up on a kid that young, but they did. I don't know why they couldn't have groomed him I, and, and still worked on him. He only had four NFL starts with the Niners, and he played in eight total games. I mean, did they really see something in two and a half, three years where they're just like, he's a lost cause? We have to get rid of him? It's very, very peculiar. And it is admitting defeat when you gave up three first-round picks for this kid and a second. So that doesn't look good on the organization. However, that's probably the only wrong move that this organization has made since look at their roster. They have one of the best teams in the NFL. They don't need a stud quarterback because Brock Purdy is not making $40, 50000000 million like most NFL quarterbacks. He's making pretty much the bare minimum. But that's probably why you can go out and pay the guys that you have, the George Kittles, the Debo Samuels, the Christian McCaffreys, the Fred Warners. You know, they've got a great defense, and they got playmakers all over the field on offense. So their thing is, look, we just need a quarterback that isn't going to screw the game up. And Maybe that's what they thought Trey was. Maybe they thought he was a turnover machine or just isn't good at game managing as well as Brock Purdy is. We'll see. Everyone's got the book on Brock Purdy now. He played, what, the last eight games with San Francisco last year? Did very, very well. I think he went he's either 6-1 and one or 7-1 and one down the stretch, and then they got to the playoffs and obviously lost to the Eagles in the NFC Championship game, but beat the Cowboys in the playoffs last year. So solid quarterback, doesn't seem to make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to wow you with his arm. He's not going to wow you with his legs. But in that San Francisco offense, you just need a quarterback that's back there can make a 10- to 15-yard out throw, can get the ball, move you down the field, find your tight end, get it to your guys in open space, and stay out of the way and stay mist- and play mistake-free football. And maybe they thought that Trey was too much of a loose cannon and tried to do too much. Still, it's something you can rein in. It, it, it just it's, it's a very weird, weird trade to give up on not necessarily just trading just giving up on him this early after you gave up so much to get him but that was their choice and they sent him to the Cowboys now the Cowboys on the other end this doesn't make any sense whatsoever in the Cowboys world because number one Dak Prescott is under contract for the next two years and next year he's slated to make 60 million dollars or to be exact 59 and a half million dollars he's going to count against the cap next year now before next year starts i can guarantee they're going to give him a contract extension and extend that out so he doesn't count 60 million against the cap next year the cowboys arguably have one of the top three backup quarterbacks in all of football in cooper rush remember when dak got hurt in the first game of the year at home against tampa bay last year and cooper rush came in and went four and one as the starter so they have the backup that they need. What are you doing bringing in Trey Lance? So you can develop him so he can maybe beat out Cooper Rush for the backup role? I don't really understand the Cowboys' side of this, especially. Now, if there's something going on behind the scenes, and behind the scenes the Cowboy brass is saying, look, if Dak does not lead us this far this year or if we don't see progression from Dak this year, then we're going to move on from him. Well, he's making $59.5 million next year. You would have to tr- – he's untradeable. You can't trade him. It's in his contract. So you have Dak this year and next year. You also have Trey Lance this year and next year. And then after that, 
if you were to pick up the option on Trey Lance, he's due $23 million in 2026. We're well, not going to pay that for a guy that's not starting. <laughs> so it, it, I, I have no idea what the Cowboys are doing in all this. None. I don't think anybody does. It doesn't make any sense. Because if he goes down this year, let's just say Dak gets hurt again, you're going to Cooper Rush. You have confidence in Cooper Rush. Went 4-1 and one without him last year, without Dak. Cooper Rush played excellent backing up Dak. Trey Lance just got here this weekend. Do you think he's honestly going to pick up the offense and be a better fit to throw in there as the backup to Dak versus a guy who you know can perform in NFL games and showed you that he could last year in Cooper Rush? I, I this, this makes – and especially – as I told you when I was initially talking about Dak, he's making $59.5 million next year. Cowboys have to extend that out or else they're being they're going to take a $60 million cap hit next year. There's no way they're going to do that. So clearly they're going to extend Dak after this season. Well, if you extend Dak after this season, where does Trey Lance fit into your plans? Because after this season and next season, Trey Lance is going to make $23 million a season. <laughs> You're not paying your backup $23 million. Sorry. So, and I think Cooper Rush is, I mean, Cooper Rush is probably going to leave the Cowboys in the next year or two and go somewhere else and try and win a starting role. So maybe Trey moves up to the backup, but you're still, you're not paying your backup $23 million. So unless the Cowboys are not being honest about where they stand with Dak, this trade to bring in Trey Lance makes absolutely zero sense. All right, let's talk a little baseball. And I'm going to talk some Texas Rangers here because it's relevant, not because I live here, but because what's happened to them has been pretty catastrophic, not to mention what's happened to the other team in the division that just overtook them. Just know this, going into yesterday, there was one day this season, before yesterday, there was one day this season where the Texas Rangers were not in first place in the AL West, and that was back on April 8th. Well, after Sunday, they fell out of first place. They are one game behind the Seattle Mariners. I'm recording this. The Texas Rangers beat the New York Mets 4-3 last night. Seattle, I don't know if that, do they, does Seattle play? Did Seattle play last night? Yeah, Seattle, I'm recording this before Seattle has even played. So, um, I don't know what Seattle is. If Seattle loses, if Seattle lost by the time you listen to this, then the Rangers are back tied for first. But Seattle has, I think, a three or four game series against the Oakland A's, probably a team that they will sweep. So, here's the thing with the Rangers. By winning last night, they had lost eight in a row, and then they won on Saturday, lost on Sunday. So, they had lost nine of ten. And then in last night's game, they were down 3-2 going into the ninth inning. And I don't know if you know this, but the going into last night, the Texas Rangers were 0-47 this season in games they trailed after eight innings. Well, make that 1-47 because somehow they came back and won two runs in the top of the ninth, and they won. But depending on what Seattle does, they still might be a game out of first. Here's what you need to know about Seattle, though. When the month of July started, Seattle was 38 and 42. 
They are 36 and 14 cents. That's a 720 win percentage. They were 10 games back of the Rangers on July 19th. And here we are on Tuesday, August 29th, and they are either tied with them or or a game up on them. That's what happens when you win 72% of your games and the team you're chasing loses 9 of 10 going into last night. And the Rangers are just, it's a really bizarre team. I, I went over it with you last week. Since the All-Star break, they won their first six games after the All-Star break. Then they went 2-7 and seven over their next nine. Then they went 12-2 and two over their next 14, and now they've lost 9 of 11. So, I mean, you talk about the ups and downs of a baseball season. The Rangers are living it. However, where the Rangers are struggling is in their bullpen. There has been 13 teams in the history of Major League Baseball that had at least 20 saves in a season, but their conversion rate was below 50%. Okay? Right now, the Rangers, after last night's game, with Jose LeClerc being brought in to save the game, the Rangers' conversion rate for saves this year is right at 50%. They are 25 of 50 in save opportunities this year. In the previous 13 teams that had 20 saves or more in a season but had a conversion rate under 50%, those teams all had under 70 wins. Like, they were god-awful baseball teams. Somehow, the Rangers have been able to not be a god-awful baseball team without having a solid closer. I mean, you blow 50% of your save opportunities? That's unheard of. I mean, in their last 10 games alone, they had six blown saves. And their bullpen had given up 31 runs. And, oh, yeah, they were hitting 110 with runners in scoring position. So you ask, well, how can they even be close? Well, it's because of all the equity they built up early in the season before this losing nine of their last 11. They were second in run differential. They were third in the American League in wins. Like, they had piled it up based on an offense that really cooked. Well, their offense is in a lull right now, and their pitching hasn't been able to make up for it. So they've both been bad at the same time. Whereas earlier in the season, when you had bad pitching starts, your offense could win a game 11-8, 11-9, I mean, A few months ago, I told you that the Texas Rangers had more double-digit runs scored in a game this season than any other team in baseball by like five and they had already set their all-time team record for most double-digit runs scored in a season, and it was still July. So their offense is really good. Right now, no, it's not. Right now, and their bullpen stinks. So you weather it out. You got one month left. They, If the season ended today, even if they were one game back of Seattle, they would still be in the playoffs because we know baseball playoffs are now six teams in each league the three division winners, and three wild cards. So they would be a wild card team right now. And all you got to do, just get into the playoffs. We talk about this all the time when it comes to baseball. Just get in. Yes, it would be nice if you were playing well at the end of the season, but I I, I mean, we've, we've talked about this constantly, about teams that win 99 or 103 games. All it takes is to lose three out of five in the playoffs, and you're out. 
You know, you could have one one five game stretch where you go two and three, but if it happens to happen in the playoffs, you're out. It happens in the regular season all the time. Nothing happens to you. You just go to the next series. You know, playoffs different animal. So I'm really curious to see what this team could do if they get in and. They're hanging on by a thread right now, but they have a chance. But the funny thing was, when the Rangers had that 10-game lead over the Seattle Mariners, if you looked at the ESPN standings, it said playoff probability was at 99%. They're starting to show these a lot. They even have these during games popping up when you're watching a college football game or a pro football game is, oh, the win probability is at 99%. How many times have we seen a game in the last five years where the win probability was at 98% late third quarter or whatever, and then the other team wins. Like, it, it's it's just – it's just my whole point is it's pointless to put up win probability. You know what the Rangers' win probability now or probability to make the playoffs now is? In July it was 99%. Now it's already down to 65%. So clearly saying it was 99% in July means absolutely nothing because you can't predict – if a team's going to go on a giant losing streak like the Rangers did. Can we just get rid of that stupid probability statistic? It's dumb. Let's face it. How many times have I seen that over the years? It's just, it's nonstop. And yes, probably most of the time when, you know, you're watching a college football game and it's 35 nothing with six minutes left in the game, yes, the win probability is going to say 99.99999%. But that's dumb. <laughs> We know that. You don't need to tell us that with a probability percentage. Let's just get rid of it. And finally, even though we're only we're still 2 weeks away from NFL week 1, in looking at some of the lines and the fact that three rookie quarterbacks have been named the starters, Bryce Young is going to start for the Carolina Panthers, CJ Stroud is going to name the starter for the Houston Texans. And who's the other rookie quarterback that's starting? Anthony Richardson, starting for the Colts. It's definitely kind of been reflected in the lines, but there are some other games like you might say like, oh, I'm not betting a rookie quarterback in his first NFL start. I wouldn't necessarily go there because, number one, they're all underdogs, so they can technically still lose. But if you're betting, you're betting against a point spread, so you might not cover. However, there are so many juicy games that I like in week one that I'm starting to get worried because I'm not pointing it out saying, oh, these are easy and, oh, my God, this is a this is a winner, you know, especially in the NFL. There's no locks when it comes to NFL football. There's just there just isn't nothing is a lock. These are all professionals. Anybody can beat anybody on any given Sunday. That's why there's one game that has a line over seven points in the first week of the NFL. So every single game, the Vegas is looking at it like these could all be one-score games. The only line over seven is the Ravens are laying 10 at home against the Texans. But I'm telling you right now, the Baltimore Ravens, I know their reputation is built on defense. The Baltimore Ravens' defense is god-awful. They have injuries. Their secondary is depleted. Now, they are playing the Texans, and they are at home. Of course, everybody is going to put the Ravens in a teaser. And, of course, 
I would think most people are going to put them in some sort of money line parlay to win. Because all they got to do is win the game outright. They will be the number one pick in any survivor pool uh, out there. And I get it. But just keep in mind, they have a bad defense. I'm not saying Houston's going to win. Because, again, with Bryce Young and with C.J. Stroud and with Anthony Richardson, I have no idea what to expect in their first games. I think it's going to be a lot of up and down. Like I think some series they might look really good, and some series they'll look overmatched. So I'm tending to stay away from those three games. You know, division dogs, division home dogs in weeks one and two in the NFL, I've read you the stat, it's 65% cover. So uh, the only one that fits into that would be um, the Colts because they're five-point home dogs against the Jaguars. You know, what if Anthony Richardson comes out and he's the next Jalen Hurts? You know, we just don't know. If anything, if you're telling me to pick the Jaguars-Colts game, that's probably the one quarterback that I do feel confident enough in right now to where I'm like, I can see them maybe losing, keeping it close against Jacksonville and maybe losing by a field goal. And I'll take the five points. But there are some other games on the board that I really, really like. I tell you right now, I, I hate that the line moved down to two and a half, but I really like the Steelers getting two and a half at home against the Niners. Hell, I was all over the Niners last year in week one in Chicago, minus six, and they just totally laid an egg. Yes, that was with Trey Lance, and yes, it was in a monsoon, but I've seen how the Niners have played in week one before. I just, a, a road favorite in week one against a very good team, a very good team at home against a very good defense, I like the Steelers. I'll probably buy a half point. If that if that line doesn't go back up to three, I'm probably buying that half point and getting Steelers plus three uh, that Sunday. Um, I like the Chargers and Dolphins over 51 right now as well. But division home dogs, I said this is a very, very profitable bet to make in weeks one and week two. You got the Giants at home against the Cowboys getting three and a half. You've got I, I you know what I have to check the stat if it's division home dogs or just division dogs. Because the Raiders are getting four at the Broncos. I think the Raiders might be a little bit better than a lot of people think. You've got um the Colts getting the five against the Jaguars, the Browns getting two and a half at home against the Bengals. And if Joe Burrow is officially announced as the starter for the Bengals, that line will probably go up to three or three and a half. Um, and then the Panthers are getting three and a half at the Falcons. But like I said, I don't know if it's division home dogs or just division dogs. I also like the Lions plus the six and a half on Thursday night. I know it's the opening game and the defending Super Bowl champions playing on their home field. Everyone's going to bet Kansas City. Everyone's going to tease Kansas City down to a pick or minus a half a point. I get it. They're going to be a lot of people's picks probably in survivors pool, survivor pools as well. But in a covering sense, Kansas City Chiefs have not been a good team covering at home during this five-year run that they've had, um, especially in the last three. I think in the first two years they were good. The last three years they have not been a good home favorite whatsoever, especially if the line's over three. And they're laying six and a half. It's already dropped a half point. It's gone from Kansas City minus seven down to 
Lions plus uh, City minus six and a half. Um, I'm leaning towards the Lions right now. I don't know how big that bet will be, but I'm leaning towards that. But the two games that really jump out to me and the two that I'm going to probably center most of my plays around in two weeks are going to be the Steelers getting the points against the Niners and the Dolphins Chargers over. I just think that's going to be a shootout. I don't. I'm not impressed with either of those defenses. So um, that's what I'm looking at right now. But we'll obviously have more to talk about NFL and college-wise as we move on uh, in this week. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review as well. Thanks again. Tell your friends about it. Tell everybody about it. The more people are listening, the merrier we are, right? Anyway, thanks again for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See ya!